And we're back with past draft one. This is draft 55 of mine for the Best Ball Mania, the $25 tournament, hundred, uh, sorry, a million dollars to first place. And I really liked this draft a lot because it was different from most of my drafts. And I had to maneuver in different ways and kind of piece together this team in different ways than I was used to and felt really good about the way that everything came together and the position I put myself in for making it into the playoff rounds and being in good position in week 17. So the first thing we look at here is this number one pick, Devontae Adams. And Devontae Adams, as you see, if you're on your computer, uh, average uh, draft position is 8.5. I got him at pick eight pretty standard here. And one of the things I want to mention here is early early in the draft and late in the draft, people kind of tend to focus on the same players. Now, early in the draft, that's smart to do. You don't want to overthink things early in the draft. Especially, you know, I've seen people, you get the number one pick and I've seen people take Dalvin Cook in that number one pick. Realize my first 41 drafts, I got the number one or two pick once. So you only get people, you know, Dalvin Cook and Christian McCaffrey aren't dropping below two. So if you don't have those top two picks, you don't have a shot at these guys. So if you want to draft 50 rosters, 100 rosters, 150 rosters, you even if you think like Christian McCaffrey doesn't belong at number one for some reason, when you have the chance to take him, you take him. You just want to get him in your portfolio because you're only going to have so many swings at that guy. As you get it like to pick 10, 11, 12, you can be a little bit more flexible and, you know, hey, I feel like this guy who's being drafted at number 15 is actually the best pick here. But if you're at the top of that draft, just kind of make sure you get those guys. Now, I have Alvin Kamara above Derrick Henry because the pass catching role is so valuable. So if I'm drafting, you know, at, at number three, I'll take Occasionally, I'll take Alvin Kamara. If I'm drafting at four, Kamara is typically there. If I'm drafting at five, sometimes Kamara is there. And occasionally, if I'm drafting at six, Kamara is there. So I end up getting a lot of Alvin Kamara, and I have more of him than Derrick Henry. But I also make sure that I get some Derrick Henry rosters in. But if I'm at pick one or two, I'm taking Christian McCaffrey. Now, flip that around to the end of the draft, and we'll look at that a little bit more deeply as we get there in some of these live drafts. But People all kind of focus on the same players without realizing that there are players going undrafted just because nobody's really drafting them. And they're just as good of a pick as some of these players who are going drafted. So early on, you want to just kind of stick with like, hey, let's go with the consensus here to some extent because you only have so many shots at these players. Deeper in the draft, toward the end of the draft is where you want to say, hey, who are some of the guys who people aren't drafting? Because let's say, let's take the Patriots backfield, right? Damian Harris is going to lead the Patriots backfield. But last year, if you took the four Patriots running backs and you took the top score each week, right? And you turned it into one running back as in like, hey, who, do, who starts from this group? You would get about 206 points. That's about a third round running back just from taking all these Patriots running backs, right? And and you don't necessarily know who's going to put up that big game. Ramondre Stevenson and Sony Michelle are going largely undrafted. Who do the Patriots play in week 17 when you will be in the championship round trying to get to first place? They play the Jacksonville Jaguars. They play the Jacksonville Jaguars, I believe, is actually in New England. And so it's a great rookie quarterback 
um, who's probably going to have a, a good season, good offense, but rookie quarterback Patriots are going to have a really good defense. They're going to be a run-centric team, and we could end up seeing Sony Michelle or Ramondre Stevenson put up a, a two or three touchdown game, and you could be, you know, you might be in week 17 with Patrick Mahomes, who's playing the Bengals that week. Great setup, two teams that are going to pass a lot. Um, hopefully the Bengals keep pace with the Chiefs and both teams score points. And and you get a big score from Patrick Mahomes week 17, that's great. But 10 other rosters that make it to week 17 might also have Patrick Mahomes. You might get to week 17 with a, a full Patriots running back stack. And maybe Damian Harris was the one who really got you into the playoffs. But maybe Sony Michelle or Ramondre Stevenson is the one who has the big game in week 17. And you are the only roster that has those guys. So how do you get a low-owned, high-upside play in these best ball tournaments? That's how. It's the Marlon Mack, right? Uh, that Marlon Mack, the Chiefs are not just giving Jonathan Taylor 22 to 25 touches a week, every week, all season. Frank Reich is very much a hot hand coach. Jonathan Taylor is the clear-cut number one back on that offense, but there are going to be games where Marlon Mack is two, three games this year where Marlon Mack has a big game. One or two games this year where Naheem Hines has a big game. So if that happens in week 17 when the Colts are playing the Raiders and nobody else has Marlon Mack, you're putting yourself in great shape. So deeper in the draft, there's a lot of value in kind of thinking about these guys who are going undrafted and thinking differently than the field. And early in the draft, you want to kind of stick a little bit more to what makes the most sense. You don't want to overreach because you only have so many shots to get these guys on your roster. And you want to get most of these first round picks on some of your rosters. So you can have a few players like for me, uh, I kind of leave Austin Eckler off for the most part, just because there's more question marks for me with Eckler than some of the other guys around him. And Eckler could have a 250 point season, but he could also have a 150 point season. So I want to kind of angle towards some other guys in there. So you might have a few guys you know, as you get to the late first round and throughout the second round, who you just kind of end up not taking much of. But first round, in particular, like I want to make sure I get some Kelsey. I want to make sure I get some Zeke. I want to make sure I get some Derrick Henry, some Tyree Kill. I want to make sure I get all of these guys layered onto my rosters. Now, Devontae Adams is is an easy one because his connection with Aaron Rodgers, his touchdown upside, you know, like Stefan Diggs is an interesting one because people draft for the previous year. Stefan Diggs had a career year last year. I mean, he's a, he's one of the top wide receivers in the NFL, top two or three route runner, great quarterback, great offense, but it's rare that somebody follows up an, uh, a, a season, a career season with another career season. So more than likely, this is just statistically speaking, more than likely, Stefan Diggs is going to perform more like a late second rounder, early third rounder this year. That's just the way that things tend to shake out. The great thing about Devontae Adams is we know that this offense is built around Adams and Aaron Jones and Aaron Rodgers. And we know that Aaron Rodgers is one of the best quarterbacks in the history of the NFL and that his connection with Devontae Adams is uniquely special. We know that in 2018, he put up 275 points. You know that in 2020, he put up 300 points and missed several games. So if you can get Devontae Adams, anytime I can get Devontae Adams, I feel really good about it because I feel like I can say, hey, look, wide receiver one is locked in. Like in a way that you can't even say with like DeAndre Hopkins because DeAndre Hopkins is going to have these spiked weeks, but also a few down games, two, three, four, five games where somebody else is starting over him. Devontae Adams is going to start 14 out of your 17 weeks if he's healthy throughout this season. 
Um, and so getting him locked in feels great. Next pick for me was not until pick 17, and I got Jonathan Taylor, whose average draft position is 13.4 when I was uh, doing this draft. Now, Jonathan Taylor is not a guy that I'm typically focused on in these first rounds because, again, he's not going to just get the full workload. Now, we've got, let's break down the running backs real quickly. We have Christian McCaffrey is the focal point of his offense. He's a three down back. Uh, Dalvin Cook is the focal point of his offense. He's a three down back. Derrick Henry is the focal point of his office. He's not a three down back, but he can rush for 1500 plus yards and he's going to be the focal point inside the 10 yard line, inside the five yard line. So he's going to get a lot of touchdown opportunities. Alvin Kamara is not going to be an every down back. He's going to have some games where he only touches the ball 16, 17 times. He's going to have other games where he touches it 25 to 26 times. But he is the focal point of this offense. You can bet on Sean Payton designing the entire offense around using Alvin Kamara to help them win games. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott is probably not a three-down back anymore. Tony Pollard is going to get some work. But he's going to be closer to a three-down back than basically anybody below him. And then you get down to the Aaron Joneses and the Austin Ecklers and the Jonathan Taylors, these guys who are going to be on the field a lot, and they're going to get the ball a lot, and they're going to have some big games, but they're also going to have some games where somebody else in their backfield outshines them. Then we get to the Joe Mixon and Najee Harris, who are both or should both be actual three-down backs, going to play 80-plus percent of the snaps, get a lot of pass game work, get the goal line work, have a lot of things built around them, but they're also on, you know, teams that have great passing attacks that are probably going to be more focused on passing that have bad offensive lines. So they're not quite in those top, you know, two, three pick territory where yes, they're three down back, but like not in the same way that McCaffrey and Dalvin Cook are three down back because the offense isn't being built around them. And then you get into like Clyde Edwards-Hilaire where you say, hey, look, the there's some question marks here, but there's a lot of upside here. He's in an offense that's going to score a lot. Um, he's going to be heavily involved one way or another and probably have a really nice season, a lot of big games. So Jonathan Taylor isn't a guy that, you know, typically if I'm here, I'm focused on a wide receiver. I'm focused on Calvin Ridley, DeAndre Hopkins, whoever I can get in that type of range, even AJ Brown. But in this case, Jonathan Taylor fell to me. And I said, you know what? I am going to let this draft do the work for me. I'm going to take what this draft gives me. And I'm going to take Jonathan Taylor with this number 17 pick. And that sort of allows me to see how things fall from there, to account for the fact that I don't feel that RB1 is fully taken care of yet. RB1 is not just locked in yet on this roster, but wide receiver one is locked in. And I have some really interesting options and opportunities for layering in running backs to take care of this RB1 spot to where I can feel like, hey, I'm really getting a true first round pick out of this RB1 spot based on how I will put together this team. So now I've got Devontae Adams, I've got Jonathan Taylor, and I'm still very open into how I'm going to do the rest of this draft based on how things fall to me. So we get to the third round, pick 32, and Mike Evans is kind of the best player available there. Uh, I believe that J.K. Dobbins might have still been available in this draft, I like J.K. Dobbins a lot this year, but I prefer him on a roster where I have a really, really solid RB1, like a Dalvin Cook or Christian McCaffrey or an Alvin Kamara, and I'll tell you why. Week 17, 
the Ravens and Rams are playing each other. These are going to be two of the top five, six, seven defenses in the league. And yes, they're both going to be good offenses. Yes, there's a chance that we have an explosive game here that maybe things just take off and we have a, a game where these two teams combine for 55, 60 points. But the likeliest is that these offensive players on the Ravens and Rams that help people get to Week 17 are going to struggle in Week 17. It's going to be harder to ride those guys to a first-place finish. So if I'm taking a Ravens or Rams player in the 100s, that's one thing. But if I'm investing a third-round pick into one of these Ravens or Rams players, I want to make sure that I'm at least doing it on a roster where, hey, wide receiver one is already locked in, RB1 is already locked in, and then I can say, okay, how do I account for Week 17 in the rest of this roster. This is some of that next level thinking where you're saying, I'm not just trying to make it out of my league into week 15. I'm trying to win this whole thing. And that requires me to have a roster that's in good position in week 17. Yes, you need to make it to week 15. And yes, you need to make it out of weeks 15 and 16. But the only thing that matters in a tournament with a top heavy payout structure is first place. And the only way you're getting to first place is thinking about week 17. So on this roster, uh, Mike Evans is here. I'm not taking Mike Evans and saying, look, wide receiver two is super locked in because, you know, A, Tom Brady's 44 years old. You all know I love Tom Brady and I expect to have another good year this year, but there's more question marks here than you'd love to be able to just say, hey, this spot's locked in no matter what. I don't have to worry about this spot. But Mike Evans is going to have some spiked weeks. Mike Evans is going to be essentially the Buccaneers goal line back. He's going to get a lot of touchdown opportunities, going to have some big play opportunities. He's going to have some duds, but if I can offset those duds with deeper picks in this draft, I can basically turn Mike Evans into a first or second round wide receiver because he's already going to have some of these spiked weeks. He already put up 213 points last year with Tom Brady. He put up 200 points the year before. He put up 241 points the year before. So even just 200 points, you're in great shape. This is a third round wide receiver. But if you can get some some layering to where the weeks when Mike Evans, where Chris Godwin's the guy getting all the looks, or where Scotty Miller is getting some downfield looks, or Antonio Brown has a big game, or the Bucks end up running the ball, or they throw to the tight ends, right? On those weeks when Mike Evans disappoints, he's going to get his 200 points throughout the season. But he's going to get it through some spiked weeks and some disappointing weeks. So if you can layer in some solid scoring to offset those disappointing weeks, all of a sudden you can get that wide receiver two spot taken care of so that it becomes essentially a first or second round wide receiver. Next pick, pick 41. At this point, I'm thinking, well, all I have is Jonathan Taylor at running back. And I'd love to get running back more deeply secured because Jonathan Taylor, I don't feel like I have RB1 fully locked in yet. One of the good things about having Jonathan Taylor though, is if things fall apart, if I'm not able to get these running backs secured early, Marlon Mack is always waiting there in the 18th round. I can always take Marlon Mack and say, look, now I'm, I'm, if Jonathan Taylor gets 230 points, it's not quite the like 250, 275, 300 I'd love from my RB1. But later in Marlon Mack, and maybe I get up an extra 15, 20 points from weeks where Marlon Mack outscores Jonathan Taylor, and now I've got a 250-point running back, a 260-point running back. So I have some flexibility to wait on running back, and I end up, Tyler Lockett's still here. The running backs that I typically like to get here are gone. 
Uh, that would be DeAndre Swift would be one of the guys that I would be targeting right here. DeAndre Swift is playing the Seahawks in Week 17. The Lions are going to have a bad a bad defense, a bad offense. They're going to be behind in that game more than likely. Uh, but DeAndre Swift, you know, is a game-breaking talent. He's going to be involved in the pass game. And so DeAndre Swift is a guy I feel comfortable with from a Week 17 standpoint and a season-long standpoint on a team that wants to run the ball, even if they're not going to be that great of a team. But DeAndre Swift's gone. Uh, J.K. Dobbins is gone at this point, and Julio Jones is gone, some of the wide receivers that I would typically take here. So Tyler Lockett's sitting here, and he's a guy I don't normally take. But here's an opportunity for me to say, hey, look, I don't typically end up with Tyler Lockett rosters. I don't typically end up with Tyler Lockett rosters because typically when I would be drafting him, he'd be my second wide receiver. And we know that Tyler Lockett's going to have some monster games. Like last year, Tyler Lockett put up 215 points. The year before, 194 points. The year before, 194 points. So he's going to put up good scoring throughout the season. The problem is he's going to have a lot of games where he puts up like five or six points. And the scoring is going to come together with these huge spiked weeks and then some disappointing weeks. So I don't want him as my wide receiver two. This is just the way that I draft. I don't want him as my wide receiver two because there's a lot that I still have to do to fix you know, what happens on all these down weeks and how I really maximize the value of these spiked weeks from Lockett. But all of a sudden I'm sitting here in this position where, yeah, running back's not really taken care of, but wide receiver one is totally locked in. I already have a true third round wide receiver at wide receiver two, who I'd love to get some some layering to get some safety underneath uh, Mike Evans' disappointing weeks, but he's going to put up 200 points throughout the season. And now I can add in Lockett and I've got, hey, probably... 275 to 300 points from Devontae Adams, a couple hundred from Mike Evans, a couple hundred from Tyler Lockett. And all of a sudden, I'm looking at this wide receiver group as being super strong because if I can get some layering in underneath them, if I can deeper in the draft, get Cole Beasley, get Jamison Crowder, get one of the ones I really like is a Paris Campbell and T.Y. Hilton pairing. I'll talk about this more as we get into the live drafts, Um, but Paris Campbell and T.Y. Hilton pairing. I can layer in some safety underneath these guys and really feel good about wide receiver one, wide receiver two, and wide receiver three. So I take Tyler Lockett here. So now I'm sitting here, if you're not at your computer and not looking at this roster, I now have wide receiver one totally locked in with Devontae Adams. I have a good start on RB1 and a really good start on wide receiver two and wide receiver three because I'm going to get really quality total points from wide receiver. And I still have a lot of room and flexibility for layering and safety underneath these guys and basically turning all of them into first or second round wide receiver picks. So at this point, I'm obviously thinking running back. And there's a group of running backs that come up in the 50s and 60s. It's Josh Jacobs. It's Travis Etienne. It's Javante Williams. Um, These guys who are you know, have have 200-point potential, and even if things disappoint, break the wrong way, 160, 170 points throughout the season, you're going to feel really good about getting these guys at this point in the draft. So that's who I'm targeting next. I'm saying, look, I am going to focus on running back next because I really need to lock in that running back position. But I get to my next pick at 56, and all of my typical running backs are gone. So I now have a choice. I can freak out and I can reach for Chase Edmonds or Trey Sermon or 
uh, Damian Harris or Raheem Mostert who are getting drafted in the 70s and 80s, or I can let the draft come to me and say, look, there are some really good wide receivers here, and I will just keep layering in these wide receivers. And no, you know, flex spot is also one of the spots we have to take care of. So if I can get, keep focusing on wide receiver, I can get wide receiver ones already locked in with Devontae Adams. I've got a great start in wide receiver two and three with Evans and Lockett. Let me say, okay, running back's not going to be the ultimate strength on this roster, but I can get I can get wide receiver one, wide receiver two, wide receiver three, and flex totally locked in through wide receivers by just letting this draft fall to me. So Chase Claypool is still here. Chase Claypool is going to be a big play threat. He's not going to score 11 touchdowns again this year, more than likely, but he's going to be a big play threat. He's going to get more yards than the, I think he had 893 last year. He's going to have more yards than that this year, more than likely. And he's going to score some touchdowns. He's going to have some big plays. He's going to have some spiked weeks. When it's all said and done, he's going to have 150 to 180 points. If you get really lucky, if things go really well, he'll have more than that. But he's kind of very much in the same bucket as Evans and Lockett, where there's going to be some down weeks, but there's going to be some big weeks. So I take Chase Claypool here. I say, look, I'll wait on running back. I'll figure that out. I'll piece it all together. And now all of a sudden, I have Devontae Adams, Mike Evans, Tyler Lockett, Chase Claypool. I need the layering to work out just right because these aren't high, all high floor guys week in and week out. So I need you know, Claypool's big week to come on a week when Mike Evans has a down week. I need Lockett's huge week to come on a week where one of these guys has a down week, but I'm going to get a lot of spiked weeks. And if things work out correctly, I'm going to get a lot of points piling up at these wide receiver positions and wide receiver one, wide receiver two, wide receiver three could all be first, second round wide receiver type scoring all season long if the layering works out right here, just from these four wide receivers. So now I'm feeling great about these four, these, you know, wide receiver one, wide receiver two, wide receiver three. I know I'd still like some depth at wide receiver three at this point, And I'd like to be filling in my flex spot, feel comfortable that wide receiver can fill in my flex spot each week. Cause I know that running back probably can't be relied on for that on this roster. So now I'm sitting here saying, Hey, look, I still need running backs. I still need tight ends. I need quarterback taken care of. But wide receiver one, two, and three are pretty well locked in. And now I'm just needing wide receiver depth, and I'll see what falls to me here. I get to my next pick, and this gets really interesting because, again, these running backs are gone. I can reach for Claypool, I can, or for uh, Edmonds, I can reach for Harris, I can reach for Sermon or Mostert or Michael Carter. I can reach for one of these guys who's going to have a real role, who's going to put up 140, 150 points throughout the season. Or I can say, you know what? quarterback's a tough spot to fill. Patrick Mahomes is gone. Lamar Jackson's gone. Josh Allen's gone. Kyler Murray's gone. Dak Prescott is still here. I don't have any Cowboys players on this roster. I'm going to, I know I probably can't take Michael Gallup with my next pick because I need to start turning away from wide receiver unless something just tremendous falls to me. But you know, Blake Jarwin's going to be there deeper in the draft. And Dalton Schultz, you know, Blake Jarwin, we're not certain he's going to be healthy. And Dalton Schultz has been getting glowing reviews out of camp. He's going undrafted. Who do the Cowboys play week 17? And this is very important for this Dak Prescott pick. Who do the Cowboys play week 17? They play the Cardinals. Two of the fastest paced offenses in the NFL. Two of the most dynamic offenses in the NFL. Two mediocre defenses. And the chances of that being one of the games 
that wins you week 17 are pretty high. I can't tell you how many rosters I have with DeAndre Hopkins and CeeDee Lamb or DeAndre Hopkins and Amari Cooper and Kyler Murray or Dak Prescott. And I even have at least one roster with Kyler and Dak, which is obviously a unique way to play it because you sink two early draft picks into quarterback. But then you kind of know that throughout the season, you're going to get 430, 450 points from quarterback. And you're going to be in great shape in week 17 when these two teams come together. So I love getting Dak Prescott when he sort of falls to me because he can score 350 points this year. He can end up being the number two, number three quarterback on the season this year. That wouldn't be super surprising in this offense with these weapons. And yes, typically you want to kind of pair your quarterback with a wide receiver so that you're getting that stacking power, especially in those playoff weeks. But in a situation like this, where I can say, you know what, there's nothing here, like wide receiver one, two, and three are pretty set. I'm reaching just to get a foothold at RB2 for guys who might still be here on my next two picks. Um, Like I could reach for Chase Edmonds, Damian Harris, Michael Carter here, and they might still be there on my next two picks if I wait on them. And they're not really locking in RB2. They're just helping me contribute to RB2. And then I'm in position where now I'm having to take some of these quarterbacks in the 100s and piece together quarterback. So instead I say, you know what? I'm going to completely lock in this quarterback position. I take Dak Prescott. I can wait until round 16, 17, 18 for my backup quarterback because Dak is going to get me my starting score most weeks. I can take Ben Roethlisberger at the end of the draft. I can take Carson Wentz at the end of the draft. As long as Carson Wentz is playing by week seven when Dak is on by, we should be good. Carson Wentz, the end of his timetable is like week eight, but the beginning of his timetable is week one. So more than likely, he's back in week three or four. His feet are under him by week seven. Um, Worst case, I can take Cam Newton in the 17th round and Mac Jones in the 18th round because one of them is going to be starting every week. And if it's Cam Newton, he's going to have some big games with his legs, some games where he puts up 25, 26, 27 points, and Dak only puts up 17, 18, and you get those extra points right there. Um, So there's a lot of flexibility once I take Dak to say, look, quarterback's taken care of. I don't have to think about it after this. Same thing we were saying with Travis Kelsey, Darren Waller. Like, quarterback's locked in, and I'm in great shape for Week 17. Yes, I don't, and I'll tell you what, I have... More probably more CeeDee Lamb and Amari than any other early round wide receivers. Again, very focused on the, this Cowboys offense, the Cardinals offense. That particular Week 17 matchup is one that I really like. Um, again, the Bengals and Chiefs is another Week 17 matchup that I like, but to a lesser extent. The Chiefs should dominate that one, but the Bengals might struggle against the Chiefs' pass defense. Um, Patriots have a great matchup on the ground against the Jaguars in a game they should be able to control. We mentioned the Colts going against the Raiders. That's a game that the Colts should be able to put up a lot of points on the ground. And if if the Raiders are keeping pace, then the Colts can put up points to the air. So there's some other matchups that are good for that week. Um, Steelers and Browns, two solid defenses. Steelers in particular, a great defense. But those division games between those two teams can sometimes become high-scoring But the gem of Week 17 is really this Cowboys and Cardinals game. And there's a good chance that the winning roster in Week 17 has several pieces from that game. So a chance to lock in quarterback for the season and for Week 17. I go ahead and take Dak Prescott instead of just trying to get some extra layering for the RB1, RB2 spots. So now, quarterback, totally locked in with Dak Prescott. Wide receiver one, totally locked in with Devontae Adams. 
Wide receiver two and three, I'm in excellent shape with Mike Evans, Tyler Lockett, and Chase Claypool. And RB1, I have a good start with Jonathan Taylor. Now, I'm obviously very, very, very focused on running back when we get to my next picks. But we get to my next pick at pick 80. And Cortland Sutton, whose average draft position is 69.3, is still there. Now, what's interesting about Cortland Sutton is he is the last alpha receiver remaining. Cortland Sutton put up 186 points the last time he was on the field. If he's healthy, he has a chance to produce as a third-round wide receiver. And more importantly, he's a big-bodied receiver, downfield threat, touchdown threat. He's going to have spiked weeks, and I'm getting him as my fifth wide receiver on a roster with a bunch of other spiked weeks layered in, right? So I basically, Mike Evans, I took him in the third round. Tyler Lockett, he is a third or fourth round wide receiver. Chase Claypool performed last year as a third or fourth round wide receiver. If he's a third, fourth round, fifth round wide receiver this year, I'm in great shape. Cortland Sutton could be drafted in the third round next year, and I'm able to get him down here at pick 80. Now, I know I'm pushing things at running back here, but I can say, man, wide receiver one, wide receiver two, wide receiver three, and flex are all in really good shape if I take Cortland Sutton here. Quarterback's totally locked in. I will piece together running back from here. I go ahead and take Cortland Sutton at pick 80, and I just cross my fingers to say, hey, maybe two of these running backs will fall to me. I know that at this point, Chase Edmonds was still available. Trey Sermon was still available. Damian Harris was still available. Raheem Mostert was still available. Um, and Michael Carter was still available. So I know that I'm going to get one of these guys with my next pick, which is going to be pick 89. It's just nine picks later. One of these guys is going to be available. And if I get really lucky, my next pick at pick 104, one of these guys will fall to there. And if not, then I'll kind of figure things out from there. The beauty of... Um, you know, if one of these guys falls, I can take Damian Harris and then I can go, Hey, look, I'll take Colts backfield. I'll take Patriots backfield. Unfortunately, the Colts and Patriots both have a bye week 14. So you can't just go full on Colts backfield, full on Patriots backfield. If you could, if, if you weren't going to take double zeros week 14, which you just can't do, um, then you could actually, if they, you know, we're playing different weeks, you could take both of these backfields and know that you're going to get 225 points from the Patriots backfield, 300 points from the Colts backfield. And all of a sudden that's like taking a first and third round running back that perform the way you're expecting them to perform just from taking these two backfields and and burning a ton of late round picks on these two backfields. Unfortunately, you still have to fill in the blanks for their bye weeks from there. Um, And so I can't just totally bank on uh, Patriots and Colts, but I know that Damian Harris is probably going to be there at my next pick. And worst case, I can take reach for Melvin Gordon and Jamal Williams, guys who have roles, guys who can get six to eight points on week 14. And hey, maybe you get lucky and they're putting up 12, 14, 15 points in that week 14 when your starters are out pitching in some other starting weeks throughout the season. So I take Cortland Sutton at number 80. At number 89, Chase Edmonds was actually still there. Trey Sermon was still there. But I go ahead and take Damian Harris because I'm saying, look, Running back's in tough shape, so I'm going to go with this whole Patriots backfield and Colts backfield thing. I know how many picks are left. I know I still need a couple wide receivers. I either need, like, we've got these five guys at wide receiver that are all good spiked week guys. 
Wide receiver one's totally locked in with Devontae Adams. Wide receivers two through four, if we're going to call flex wide receiver four, you're in really good shape, but you need one, one or two more pieces that kind of layer in some floor. So Cole Beasley, Jameson Crowder, uh, Tyrell Williams is, is somebody who you, it's not sexy to take him, but that offense has nobody. He's going to have four or five starting caliber games throughout the season. Um, pairing T.Y. Hilton and Paris Campbell is another way to kind of secure that sixth wide receiver spot. So I know that wide receiver, I am in great shape. I know that quarterback, I'm in great shape. I know that tight end, I still don't have taken care of, but I can, I can basically take care of RB1 and RB2 by just saying, you know what, round 16, 17, and 18, I'm going to take Marlon Mack, Ramondre Stevenson, Sony Michelle. Nobody else is battling me to take those guys. Those guys are going to be there, and I'm going to have a good 475 to 500 points from running back locked in. So rather than taking Chase Edmonds, who is going against Dak in Week 17, so that's another way to play it, um, rather than taking um, Trey Sermon or Raheem Mostert, they're going against the Texans in Week 17, which should be a great opportunity for some big scores from the 49ers. Um, rather than taking them, I go ahead and just say, look, I need to get running back secured. So I'm going to take Damian Harris with this number 89 pick. So now quarterback set wide receiver one is totally set wide receiver two through four is in really strong shape. I just need one more piece there. Uh, and I've got a good start on RB one and RB two. Get to my next pick, pick 104, and I get really fortunate. Michael Carter has fallen all the way to me here. Michael Carter is a guy who maybe he only puts up 120, 130 points on a, on a mediocre young offense, dynamic offense, but young offense. But Michael Carter could also put up 160, 170 points. He could actually be a really solid piece. So I get Michael Carter here as my third running back, and he really just needs to be a fill-in on week 14. But there's some added benefit here in that he could actually start, you know, I said that the Patriots combined for 206 points last year. That was with like, you know, James White had a couple big games. Rex Burkhead, who's no longer here, that'll be kind of the Ramondre Stevenson role, had several big games. Michelle Harris had some big games. And then they have a bunch of other games where the best running back from the Patriots gets six points. Well, on some of those weeks, Michael Carter's going to have 14, 15 points. All of a sudden, pair him with the Patriots running backs. I'm getting 200 points just from the Patriots running backs. And then maybe an extra 40, 50 points from weeks where Michael Carter starts over them. All of a sudden, Patriots running backs plus Michael Carter ends up getting me up to, I'm not going to have James White on this roster, but like, let's say 225, 250 points. They end up becoming a second round running back. Jonathan Taylor, I'm going to layer him in with Marlon Mack and one other piece that I'm going to have to take for week 14. And they end up becoming a true rock solid first round running back. So it's going to be like getting a first round wide receiver, a first round running back, a second round running back, and several other second and third round wide receivers, plus one of the top quarterbacks on the slate who's in a great matchup for week 17. So hopefully you're following all of this as, as how we cover these spots and make sure that everything's really locked in. Next pick, we have pick 113. I reach for Melvin Gordon a little bit. His ADP has come up to 116. We talked about him already. He's going to have a role. He could have a bigger role than people think. He put up 182 points last year, quote, you know, disappointing. And Javante Williams is going to be involved, but they have a good defense, a, a bad quarterback. They're going to try to run the ball. 
and Melvin Gordon's going to have some starting caliber games, and he's going to have some weeks where he starts over these Patriots running backs or maybe even over these Colts running backs. So basically, I now feel really good. I know that what my last three picks are going to be. They're going to be Mac, Stevenson, and Michelle. And I know that with that, with the running backs I have, the running backs I'm going to take, I have basically picked up a first and second round running back. I don't have a lot of spillover into the flex, but week week in and week out over the course of the season, I am going to accumulate a first and second round running backs worth of points at RB1 and RB2. I'm going to pick up probably about 550 points from running back RB1, RB2. Great thing here is wide receiver one is totally taken care of with Devontae Adams. So I've got these four great wide receivers taking care of you know, Mike Evans, Tyler Lockett, Chase Claypool, Cortland Sutton taking care of wide receiver two, three, and flex spot. So where are my weaknesses here? I still need, I know week 16 or round 16, 17, and 18 are spoken for with these last three running backs, but running back one, running back two is set. Quarterback one is set. I still need a backup so that when Dak's on by, I get points and optimally a guy who might outscore Dak two or three additional times would be great. A Ben Roethlisberger, a Carson Wentz. I mean, I really like Carson Wentz in this Frank Reich offense and think that he's going to have a strong season. So getting him deep, deep, deep in the draft, getting him for 12, 13 weeks, I think that I can get two or three starts out of him over Dak. Um, But I can wait on that. And so all I have left on this roster, and this is, you know, you have to understand your feel for, this is why we're talking about covering spots, because then it tells you, hey, what do I need to focus on next? Wide receiver one's taken care of. RB1, RB2 are going to be taken care of. Wide receiver two, wide receiver three are set, and really we're, we're in great shape for flex. We still need one or two more wide receivers to finish off this. We're going to wait on backup quarterback, wait on these last three running backs, and then tight end is the other focus. So, Tight end, I get Robert Tanyan at pick 128, uh, 10 picks below his average draft position. He fell to me here. Um, He put up 150 points last year with 11 touchdowns. And with uh, out of 59 targets, he had 52 receptions. That's incredible efficiency. He could easily end up with 80 or 90 points this year. But if if there's a week where Devontae Adams isn't scoring touchdowns, maybe Robert Tanyan is the guy who's carrying me that week. Like maybe those touchdowns flow over to him. He is an integral part of this offense. He is a good red zone threat. He has excellent hands and there's a chance for his role to continue growing this year. So Robert Tanyan, I I already know that tight end is not going to be just like my strongest spot. What I'd love to get is use one more pick on Cole Beasley. And then I'll feel like wide receivers are really taken care of. Cole Beasley's going to put up 140, 150 points. And because of his talk about the vaccine and, hey, maybe I'm going to retire if they force me to get the vaccine, he's just getting drafted way lower than he should be. He puts up 140 to 160 points year in and year out in this offense, and people are treating him you know, like a guy who might be retiring. Um, he should be getting picked in the you know sort of low 100, like 100 to 110 range. He said he's getting taken at like 136. So if I can get Cole Beasley here, I'll feel great. And then I can get three tight ends to really try to fill in this tight end spot. I take Robert Tanyan. Next pick comes around. Cole Beasley's gone. So I take Paris Campbell. Next pick comes around. I take T.Y. Hilton. Combine those two. They're going to get about 125 catches. They're going to get about 1,400 to 1,500 yards. They're going to get eight to 10 touchdowns. And 
you know, there's going to be some level of, hey, Paris Campbell only got three points this week, but T.Y. Hilton got 11. T.Y. Hilton only got five points this week, but Paris Campbell had 13, 14. Paris Campbell, if he's healthy, he is one of the flashiest. He and, and Russell Gage are two of the guys I own more than anybody else. I own Paris Campbell on like 75% of my roster, Russell Gage on over 50%. Their feet are incredible. They're not Deontay Johnson, right? Like Deontay Johnson does some stuff with his upper body as well in his route running that's just really fun to watch. But last year, you remember throughout the season, Deontay Johnson was 3,800, 4,200. And we kept saying, who knows? We don't know if Deontay Johnson is going to have a big game this week, but what we do know is that within four weeks, five weeks, six weeks, he's going to be priced in the low 7Ks. It was guaranteed because his route running was so good and the way that the offense was built around his skill set was so clear if you were watching the games and paying attention that you were just paying 3K less for Deontay Johnson than you would have to pay later in the season. Similar with Russell Gage. Russell Gage bumped out to the Julio Jones role last year when Julio Jones was out deeper into the season. They took him out of the slot, played him on the outside. He was running Julio's routes. He's going to have some big games this year. Paris Campbell, if he's healthy, is an unbelievable athlete, excellent route runner, his quick feet, really creative in his route running. Both these guys are going to be drafted three, four rounds higher next year than they're being drafted this year. So take Paris Campbell, take T.Y. Hilton, and say, look, I probably get six, seven, eight starting weeks out of these two guys. And it basically becomes like taking a Cole Beasley. Like there's going to be a lot of weeks where they outscore one of these Mike Evans, Tyler Lockett, Chase Claypool, Cortland Sutton, or I should say two of these guys and end up filling in that flex spot or even that wide receiver three spot or wide receiver two spot. And so now I feel like wide receiver one through four, wide receiver one, two, three, and flex are totally taken care of. Devontae Adams is almost never not going to be a starter. Mike Evans is going to have these spiked weeks. Tyler Lockett's going to have these spiked weeks. Chase Claypool is going to have these spiked weeks. Cortland Sutton's going to have these spiked weeks. Paris Campbell and T.Y. Hilton are going to be able to fill in on the weeks where, you know, three of these guys or two of these, these other guys disappoint. These guys can step up and get you some, some starting scores. I'm going to feel really great. I basically have a first and second round running back between the way I'm building these Colt Patriots and then Michael Carter and Melvin Gordon. I have one of the most locked-in quarterbacks. My only weak spot on this roster is going to be tight end. Next pick, Hunter Henry's the best tight end available because I had to take Paris Campbell and T.Y. Hilton instead of just Cole Beasley. I, I'm only able to take two tight ends because I know that I still need a backup quarterback and I know that I still need to fill out these Patriots and Colts running back spots to really secure running back. So tight end is going to be my weak spot. Lots of people have weak spots at tight end because people don't really draft correctly. And so if they miss out on these top four or five guys, they're just kind of hoping that they piece things together here. And I'm going to hope that my strong wide receivers, my strong quarterback, the way that I've creatively put together a a first and second round running back at RB1 and RB2 will make up for the fact that tight end isn't the strongest spot on my roster. Between Tanyan and Hunter Henry, if if the touchdown scoring works out right, or if the layering works out right, as in like, hey, Tanyan had a three-point game, but Hunter Henry had an 11-point game. That's layering. If the layering works out right, I can still get 150 points out of tight end. Things aren't set up in, in like an OJ Howard, Cameron Braitway where it's kind of guaranteed, or, you know, this Patriots backfield, Colts backfield way where it's kind of guaranteed. But I know that I've got a good shot at putting up, you know, at, at creating a fourth or fifth round tight end here. And then hopefully... One of these guys has a big game in week 17. Uh, hopefully it's it's Hunter Henry 
and the Patriots, you know, smash the the Jaguars so that the Patriots running backs are also getting points. Hunter Henry's getting points. Um, hopefully Devontae Adams is still doing his thing in week 17 against the Vikings. That's a great game. Vikings versus Packers. Um, you know, two good offenses, two division rivals that almost always put up points against one another. So I feel great about this roster as a whole. I close it out with Carson Wentz as my backup quarterback who pairs nicely with T.Y. Hilton and Paris Campbell also allows me to just kind of bet on this Colts offense as a whole because I have Marlon Mack, I have Jonathan Taylor, I have two of these wide receivers, I have Carson Wentz. And then I close it out with Marlon Mack, Ramondre Stevenson, and Sony Michelle and have this really strong top-to-bottom roster where quarterback is secured and in great shape for Week 17. RB1 and RB2 are secured and in great shape for Week 17. We've got Colts against the Raiders. We've got Patriots against the Jaguars. We've got Melvin Gordon and Michael Carter are here to kind of help piece things together throughout the season. We've got wide receiver, you know, five elite wide receivers. I mentioned that about earlier about Cortland Sutton being an alpha. Devontae Adams, the offense is built around him. Mike Evans is the number one receiver, but on a team that's going to spread the ball around. Tyler Lockett is a a 1B receiver on a team that's going to spread the ball to two guys and run the ball a lot. Uh, Chase Claypool is a 1B wide receiver on a team that's going to spread the ball around a bit, but pass a lot. And then Cortland Sutton is a number one receiver on a team that won't pass the ball a ton. So you see kind of the warts on these other four guys below Devontae Adams, but you also see how just role-wise, you're putting yourself in great position for these points to continue to accumulate and for these spiked weeks to hopefully work out with layering so that on the weeks where Mike Evans disappoints, Tyler Lockett blows up. The week where Chase Claypool disappoints, Cortland Sutton blows up. The week where Claypool and Sutton both disappoint, Paris Campbell or T.Y. Hilton are able to step in and add some points to that roster. Um, And then the only kind of weak spot in this roster is Robert Tanyan and Hunter Henry uh, and puts me in great shape for getting out of my 12-team league and then if I make it to week 17, being in excellent shape for that first place finish. That is roster 55. We're going to take a uh, look at roster 54 on this next one, and then we'll run quickly through a few other compositions of rosters and then hit our live drafts.